Well, I'm Matt, and I'm one of the pastors here, and it's great to see you all um, on Super Bowl Sunday. That was like a faint-hearted, unsure thing. Okay, so how many, uh, how many of you are planning on, are, you're the game-watching type for Super Bowl? Come on, give me your hands. You're, the, you're watching the game. How, okay, put your hands down. How many of you are the, um, the commercial-watching people? And if you, you can be both, right? You can actually be both. It's fine. It's fine, you know. Um, I must say, the question for me is, how many of you have, like, actually invited people to come or have been invited somewhere? Give me your hands. Been invited or you're, okay, so about half of y'all, all right, all right. So uh, maybe, it's, you know, if you have any little kids, you want to put them down somewhere that's not going to have commercial screaming. Maybe that's one of the dynamics. Well, one of the things that I'd be curious about, especially for those of you who've, um, who've been invited, who've invited people over uh, to celebrate this time, is... Um, are you inviting people to the Super Bowl um, out of hospitality? I, is what you're going to do today or going to go participate in being hospitable or being, <coughs> you know, the verb hospitalized or something? You know, is that, is that what's happening to you or is it not? And, and do you know? That's actually a really important question. And, and I would say, in general, I don't know that we ask the questions about, about hospitality much. We talk a lot about the different elements of the Christian life, and, and we're in a series where we're talking about becoming good at people, uh, which is just another way of, of declaring the reality that there, there, are, that there are means and avenues of relating to people that reflect the reality of the God who relates to us perfectly in Christ Jesus, and on top of that, that are a declaration of our faith. That's just another way of saying that we want to be the kinds of people who love our neighbor as ourselves. That's what we're talking about. And so we, we're talking about a whole bunch of different things. A couple weeks ago, or three weeks ago, we talked about the power of curiosity, what it means to be the kind of people who enter people's words, worlds with, with questions and a curious heart. Um, and then a couple weeks ago, then uh, Steve walked us through the power of comfort and that we are to comfort one another. And, uh, and then last week, we talked about what it looks like to have the power of, of being in need, of receiving, of putting ourselves in a receiving posture so as to reflect the reality of the gospel we declare. And this morning, we're going to be talking about the power of hospitality. The power of hospitality. So, one of the things we th see throughout the scriptures is that God is a hospitable God. You can see it from the first, basically the first pages of the scriptures where, where God comes and he prepares a garden with all the best kinds of fruits, at least, and food, it seems, for them. He, he's prepared a banquet for them. We talked about this, and we're uh, dealing with the, um, the generosity series we did about more than enough, that, that he's the host, right? It's more than enough. He's the host. So from the first pages of the scripture, we see God as this hospitable one who's receiving Adam and Eve with abundance and then, then you skip forward after the fall, and, and you have all these moments over and over, but you see God being the hospitable host to the children of Israel as they're wandering through the desert with, with manna and, and with food by day and, and quail and, and, and water from the rock. And he's, he's providing for them, but he's, he's inviting them. He's, he's hosting them in this unhospitable environment. And then you have this really cool thing, and it only happens when you read through your Bible that you run into passages like this because they don't get preached. But there's this cool scene um, in the middle of the, the book of Leviticus, this, I mean, of Exodus. This is right before Moses goes up the mountain to receive the, the tablets. You remember? Remember that part from the Ten Commandment movie you watched? Um, 
so, so right before this happens, the Lord says, Moses, I want you and Aaron, and, and I want you to bring the 70 elders and the two sons of Aaron. I want you guys to come to the base of the mountain here. Not the people, just, just the leaders. I want you guys to come, and, and I'm going to say some things to you. And it says that they were able to, they saw God. It's really nebulous as exactly what happened, and there's like sapphire on the ground. And, and you're like, the commentators have a blast with that section because there's so many, what does this mean exactly? But it says they saw God. And he says, and they ate and they drank. So there's a sense of like God's bringing these leaders up and they, they eat and they drink with the Lord. And then Moses goes on up and here's the great dichotomy of the fall versus the purposes of God, right? The host, God, the perfect host of hospitality invites these people to come in and to, to eat and drink in his presence. Moses goes up the mountain. Forty days later, he comes back down. And what are they doing? They're eating and drinking, all right, to a golden calf. Like the great host has come, he's given them what they need, and, and they've gone and they've found something else to worship of their own making. He prepares, if you remember, he prepares in First Kings this, this meal for just a disheartened Elijah. Remember, he's, been, he's fleeing, and, and he finds himself on the top of a mountain, exhausted, frustrated, and, and, and honestly kind of losing heart. And, and, and there, God feeds him. He, he brings him food twice, actually, and he says it goes in the strength of that food for 40 days. There's this provision, this hosting of God in the most inhospitable places. And of course, you see Jesus, right? The image bearer of God, the image of God, who comes and he hosts, and he's a guest. You see it a bunch of times, right? He finds himself feeding 5,000 people in one shot with some fish and some loaves, hosts them on the side of a, mil of, of a mountain, on the side of a hill, also kind of an inhospitable place. Interesting, isn't it? How many times God's hosting us in inhospitable places? That's where we experience his hospitality most. And then he does it again with 4,000 people. And so like these two massive hosting moments that Jesus has. And then these really intimate moment of hosting where he, he brings his disciples in on the last night before he's, when he's betrayed, the last night of his life. And, and he brings them there and he hosts them in the upper room. And he does so by getting on his knees, right, and, and washing their feet and then, and then celebrating this meal at the, head of, at the head of this table. You see this hosting. And, and not only is there this, this sense of hospitality throughout and the different imagery and the different moments, but, but you get all the way to the end of Revelation chapter 3, and, and this is what Jesus says is describing the reality of what it means to be in relationship with him. He says, behold, Jesus says, I stand at the door and knock, and if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him, and he with me. We're told that at the culmination of all things, all the way at the end of all history, there will be a banquet, the wedding feast of the Lamb, and God will host us. He will receive us. He will he will bring divine hospitality to bear on all who call upon the name of that lamb on that day of celebration. So from the beginning to the end of the scriptures, we see God as this, this God of divine hospitality. Sometimes in very unlikely places. And it's an invitation to us. So what is hospitality? Hospitality. I bet, honestly, I bet if we sat down and I had you guys write down what's hospitality, we'd have a whole bunch of different kinds of answers. And there, there's, there's different perspectives on what exactly hospitality is. So I'm going to give you kind of just different series throughout the course of this next section here of different kinds of definitions, different ways of thinking about hospitality. But hospitality, I think at its core, 
is an invitation to be with. It's inviting in. It's being engaged on purpose by inviting to be with the lived reality of someone else. It's the art of letting someone in the door of your life and of your home. And of course, we're invited to display hospitality, to practice hospitality, to have hospitable hearts because we're image bearers, right? We're, we're imaging the one who is, has relationship with us in hospitality. The relationship we have with God is one of hospitality where he more accurately has relationship with us in that way. But I think oftentimes we get confused between what hospitality is and um, versus what entertaining is. And, and I would say probably for a long time, I actually wouldn't know, I would have known the difference between the two, between hospitality and, and just entertaining. And, and yet if you read most people, they'll get really quick to the point that those are not the same thing. So cotillion does not serve you here, unfortunately, if you're a cotillionite. But here's what... Um, Here's what Sam Albury, who's uh, he's an author and a pastor, and uh, he actually is a speaker at RZIM. Uh, here's what he says when he's talking about hospitality in his book, The Seven Myths of Singleness. He says, this is the difference between what the Bible means by hospitality and what often passes for us in Western culture. Too often, what we're really doing is not hospitality, but entertaining. We're putting on a good show. We're showing someone the Instagram version of our home life rather than the actual version of it. A sign that this is the case is that hospitality becomes infrequent and extravagant. But in the Bible, hospitality is in opening up our real lives to others, often and especially the stranger, and inviting them in. You don't technically need a physical space to invite people into, which is in crowded cities is sometimes many, um, is something many increasingly can't afford. It is as much about doing life with others wherever and however we happen to do it. This is something all of us are called to do. Some will have a particular ministry in this area, but it is required of all believers. You see, the focus when you think about entertaining, the focus is on self. A and you know this, well, pretty readily, just if you're the host, if you're the one who's doing hospitality, a.k.a. entertaining, you know it because it's about you. It's about how it's going. It's about how people are experiencing it. Has, is it going well? Am I doing a good job? Has the food, how's my house? Do you like my house? Is it looking good? How's the lawn? So if you come to my house, that's the first thing. How's the lawn? But, but it's about what do you think of me? That's, that's entertaining. You see, hospitality is actually a focus on the other. It's saying, I am here. I have made this space available because I want to meet your needs. I want you to feel welcomed and wanted here. You, you know this. If you've been, in some, and I, here's the thing. I've done both of these. And some of you have been at my house at a time where I was entertaining, you know, because my heart was all dark and stuff. Um, you know, because I was super stressed. I, I get all like, ah, super stressed. I'm all sweating. And, and I, I'm more concerned about how this is coming off about me than it is about how it's impacting the people. Do, you've been, you, have you been to someone's house like that, someone terrible like that, like me? But you know the difference, right? You find yourself, like, feeling bad for being a guest. You know what I'm talking about? 
or you're feeling like it's very, very important that the host know that they're awesome, yeah, that's not a heart of hospitality. See, that's how you know. That's entertaining. That, that gathering is for them or maybe for you, if that's where you might find yourself. I think we've all done it. I think maybe we still are tempted to do it. The focus on hospitality is a, is a disposition of humility. When Jesus wraps a towel around his waist and he gets on his knees in front of his disciples, it's the ultimate act of hospitality. He's doing the slave's job for his disciples as their master. That, that's what hospitality feels like. Hospitality is creating the kind of environment where people feel welcomed and wanted. It's, it's this unselfish desire to meet the other's need by bringing them into our life and into our space, not just into our space, but into our life, which is why entertaining and hospitality are different things. I think one of the litmus tests for us when we think about hospitality versus entertaining is, um, is are you able to receive hospitality? We talked about this last week, right? Are you able to receive hospitality? To what degree can you go somewhere? And this is not the problem for some of you guys. You're like, have me over. I'll glad to eat your food. But some of us, some of us, we don't want to be, we don't want to, someone to be hospitable to us. We're the giver, right? Like we're, we're always the giver. If you're, we're friends watchers. Remember Monica? She's like, but I'm the host, right? That's not hospitality. That's entertaining. I'm the host. I can't really receive. They're the people that you like. You keep trying to like serve, and they're like, "No, no, no I got, I'll do the dishes." Which again, this can be very kind of it, but it's like, but they're not. Their disposition is not to be in a place of receiving, but actually, have to be somebody in it. Hospitality is not an event; it's a way of living. It's a disposition of the heart that says that my life, that my identity, that my value is not threatened by having you in it. You can be in my life as it actually is, in my home as it actually is, not just a cleaned up version of what that looks like. And I, and I think that's just really challenging for us. Hospitality feels different than that, which is why it's infrequent, right? Because you have to gear up. You have to get all the best things out. I mean, if you have China, a lot of people don't have China anymore, but if you have China, like, you get your China out and your kids are like, hey, who's coming over for dinner, Right? They're not going like, what are you making us for dinner? Like, just, right? they, you, they know something special is about to happen because you're, you're getting out something that's not normal. And so what are, what, are some of, what are some of your hurdles to hospitality? I want you to really think about this. What, what are some of your hurdles to hospitality? I've come up with a few based on some things I've been thinking about and reading. But I'm curious. So, so shout out. What if you, what's a one of your, not someone else's? Well, okay. It can be someone else's. But it's yours. Okay, so so what is what is a hurdle to, to hospitality for you? Why why do you why is it either extravagant or rare for you? Insecurity. That is, man, I don't think there's a bigger one there. It's got to be perfect, right? It's got to be right. And people are coming in. You know what they're going to do? They're going to judge you. They're going to determine how mature you are, how good of a parent you are, how clean you are. Like. They're going to open your cabinets maybe somewhere and see, like, do you, do you alphabetize your spices? You know, they're going to say, are you a real person, you know? Um, yeah, we're afraid of being judged, All right, which is iron ironic, right? That's why the Bible says don't judge unless you'll be judged because in the same way you judge, you'll be judged. That's what it means is if you judge people when you go to their houses, you're going to be afraid they're going to judge you when they come to yours. That's, that's how it works, right? Free people don't judge. So, yes, fear, having it all together, 
What else? Don't like to cook. I hear you. That is, that's a real thing. Yeah, but again, not, not doing it well enough, right? Not, not impressing people with the food. Or they're not going to be disappointed. There's an expectation. What else? What? About, what? Oh, time. Absolutely, right? Energy. It's going to require something of me. Again, usually because I'm trying to add something to my life, not invite people into my life. So I think this is where hospitality has gotten a little bit turned around in our concept. It's that thing we do. It's that, I use the word event. It's an event we do instead of way of being with people. That's why we host things, we host events, but we don't know how to practice hospitality. And if you go to, the, for those of you who's traveled, you go to, you know, anywhere east, like hospitality is a thing, right? I mean, it's, it's a thing thing. And now there's all kinds of reasons why there's some brokenness in that too. Don't get me wrong, right? There's a, there's a lack of freedom in the gospel in that too. So, but there is a sense in which like come into our home. We'll give you the best of what we have and wherever we are, just come on in, right? And that's not how we roll. Like if you didn't call first, why are you at my door? Right? I mean, if you didn't call at least 20 minutes in advance, right? Text doesn't count. Like I want to know if you're about to show, Right? Like, you talk to, talk to a Muslim in, like, Yemen about that, and he'd be like, I don't even know what you're talking about. I don't even comprehend the conversation we're having right now. So we're, we're, we have a different set of challenges when it comes to the hurdles to hospitality, to rule godly hospitality. And, and some of this because we've made privacy an idol, right? My privacy, like, you don't get, if you walk in and there's laundry on the couch, now, if I'm having you over for dinner and there's laundry on the couch, it's a different problem, right? I, I mean, Hopefully, I can move the laundry. There's some, there are some lines, right? But, but if you walk in, I got laundry on the couch. Like, I don't know. We do laundry at our house. Do you do laundry at your house, right? This is, this is the reality of how we live. But you see, we live in pretend worlds and pretend lives. And, and that's not how the gospel works. Jesus is on the side of a mountain, and he feeds forth. And does he, does he doesn't, it's not coco vin. It's, it's just fish and bread, and he meets them with it there. You see, he's hosting them because he has a heart of hospitality, and that's what he's inviting us into, into being. So don't get me wrong. Listen, uh, the boundaries are healthy. You need ha- healthy boundaries in your life, okay? If you have no boundaries, like, there's another set of problems. But, but are, are boundaries porous enough to allow people in and out of them, or are they impermeable? Because a hospitable heart is porous, Okay, so who's to practice hospitality? Maybe you're sitting here going like, this is great, Matt, but I'm pretty sure this is for some other people to deal with. And I think there's, isn't there a spiritual gift of hospitality? Yeah, let's let those people do it. <laughs> um, and so I have good news for you. It's not good news for you, but it's, it's good news. Um, so who's to practice hospitality? Romans 12, 13. Contribute to the needs of the saints, generosity, and seek to show hospitality. Show hospitality period. Now, that unfortunately applies to every one of us. Now, I think the one thing to notice in that, in that verse, you can throw it back up, Nancy. See how it's connected to generosity? How Paul puts those two together, that, that the same kind of person who is going to take care of the needs of other people is the same kind of person who is going to seek to show hospitality because it's the same heart. Hospitality is like inside of generosity. It's, it's, it's one of the manifestations of a generous heart. Second thing you notice is um, if you look at the whole section in Romans 12, uh, Romans, uh, yeah, 12 is leading up to here, 
that, that hospitality is one of the primary ways in which Paul begins by saying, let your love be genuine, he says. And then he goes through a long list of a whole bunch of things, and he ends basically here. This is one of the ways in which our love is genuine, is that we show hospitality, all of us. This command is not for people who have the spiritual gift of hospitality. It's not a command for women. No, it's not a command for women. It's a command for all of us. It's not a command for people who, like, have a big house and, like, a really large dining room. It's not a command for... It's not a command just for married people. Like, single brothers, sisters. Like, you're invited to the journey of hospitality, to, to give of yourself, to... to to take a meal over to a family's house. Like, I think sometimes there's a sense of you might be exempted, and not in a good way, not in, in, but in a good way, like you're needed to be a part of the journey here. We'll talk a little bit about this on the other side of that. Becky and I, one of the things that Becky and I love to do is, because, um, you know, our kids are grown and out, um, is we get to go to some of y'all's houses when you have us over. And especially those of you who have little kids, you know, you hit that spot, we get to come and be at dinner, and uh, your kids are misbehaving, and it's awesome. Um, and we're not judging, though, because our kids misbehaved. So we know, we get it. We're like, oh, yeah, yeah, ours was worse. Um, not all of them. Um, <laughs> the other one, the other one. Um, While the kids are being put to bed, right, that 30 minute, like, Becky now sometimes we'll help with the dishes, and we're in the life, and it feels great. It's really great. So we get to be a part of that, and that's some of what, so team up. Again, if you're single, team up. Sometimes couples team up together with others. It's a command, which means that it has to become a discipline. It has to be a spirit-filled discipline, and what's amazing is this, is that when when God gives us a command, this is the amazing thing about, about the reality of how the spiritual life works. When God gives us a command, he promises the power to do it. So if you're sitting here going like, I, you're, tr you're adding something to my schedule, and I just tuned you out about 10 minutes ago. I'm not adding something to your schedule. I'm inviting you into a discipline of heart powered by the Spirit that will allow you to be something that you're not today or more of something that is not as true today. That, that's how it works. So the good news, whenever you read a commandment from the Scriptures, it's not like, yeah, I, I can't do that. The answer is yes, no, you can't do that. But the Spirit of God it has divine power of hospitality in you. Do you know that? Like you sit right here with the Spirit of God, if you belong to Jesus, with the power of hospitality, dormant maybe, but ready to emerge through the Spirit in you. You have to go fetch it somewhere else. It's in you. The invitation through discipline is to move from the discipline of hospitality to the delight of hospitality, which is what happens with the Spirit. He turns discipline to delight as we submit ourselves to him. One of the things that um, I think is just fascinating, again, is that, that, that hospitality is a requirement for eldership. Do you guys know that? There's two different passages in the scriptures that talk about the qualifications for an elder. One's for Timothy, the other one's in Titus. Let me read the Titus 1 version. It says, for an overseer, an elder, as God's steward must be above reproach, must not be arrogant or quick-tempered or a drunkard or violent or greedy for gain, but hospitable, a lover of good, self-controlled, upright, holy, and disciplined. Like, I can, it makes sense, right? Like, you, you don't want one of your elders to be, like, 
you know, hammered on Sunday morning or a drunkard in the rest of the week, right? That makes sense. And, and there are people that have been disqualified from being able to, to be an elder for seasons because, because that's a real thing. And so that makes sense. We all like, oh, uh, but hospitable? Did you even know that was in the list? Why? Why is a hospitable heart, which is why I love this, just hospitality, not the doing of the thing, but the being of the person, why is that in there? I think the reason it's in there is because the hospitable heart welcomes and receives. It invites in the, the stranger and the one who belongs to Christ for the purpose of drawing them towards Jesus. And that, that's what a hospitable heart does. We talked about that with curiosity, right? Trying to move someone towards Jesus. Hospitality does that, and, and that's what an elder is supposed to do. He's supposed to be moving the flock towards Jesus, and there's no better context to do that than your own home or in someone else's home. I mentioned this before. When we get to go pray over some of your homes, or we'll come to pray for you, and we get to pray over your home while we're there, like, it's awesome. To have you in our homes is a, is a privilege. One of the, I think... <laughs> Most of our elders are greeters. One of the reasons they're greeters is because welcoming is some of the elements, is some of the central aspect, the first step of hospitality. It's saying, come in, I'm glad you're here. So if you aspire to the office of elder, which scripture says you should, then the hospitality, the heart of hospitality should be what emerges as we follow Jesus. So who, do we to be hospi- who are we to be hospitable to? So it's for everybody. Everyone, it's a command. We get to do it, powered by the Spirit. But to whom? Now, there's a lot of discussion around this. You read different, different literature, different folks' emphasis. I like to think about it as a, like a Venn diagram that has three different shapes. You guys know what a Venn diagram is, right? Three shapes that kind of overlap in certain amounts. I'm not going to tell you how much each one overlaps, but here's the three elements. Here's the three shapes of the Venn diagram. The first is who we're supposed to be hospitable to is people who can't repay us. I mean, Jesus could not be clearer about this in Luke 14. He says, he, he's, this is awesome, because he's at a banquet talking to the host of the banquet, and this is what he says. So I mean. Jesus is an awesome guest to have at your party. He said also to the man who had invited him, <laughs> this is amazing. Hey, when you give a dinner or a banquet, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or rich neighbors, lest they also invite you in return and you be repaid. But when you give a feast, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you, for you will be repaid at the resurrection of the just. What what this means is, like you inviting your boss over to like butter him up for the potential raise or the project you're running work, that's not hospitality. <laughs> that, that's, that's what this is saying. Like that if you got an angle on having people to your home or trying to get, like that's not hospitality. Jesus is perfectly clear about that. And he's saying one of the elements of what hospitality looks like is that, is that it should look for people who can't pay you back, who can't, who can't add something to your portfolio, your relational portfolio, your, your perspective. God wants to say, hey, listen, you just invite people, think about people, think outside of the scope of the people that can do something for you. Now, let me clarify. Jesus is not saying never have your family to your house, okay? 
not what he's saying. He's not saying never get together with your friends. He's not saying that. He's saying when you're having a banquet, consider, consider other people who can't do anything for you or repay you. Not only those people, but, but consider those people because there's nothing in our flesh that considers those people. Right? Who are we hospitable to? People who cannot serve us in return, cannot pay us in return. People who don't gain you anything. People who on the surface, by the way, don't have anything for you to profit from. What I find amazing is that the people that we think can't profit us anything end up potentially and oftentimes being the people who have the most to give us. That's another sermon. So that's our first shape. That's our circle, we'll say. Our triangle. Who are we hospitable to? Brothers and sisters in the faith. One another. Smack dab in the center of this series, right? First Peter 4, 7 through 8 says, The end of all things is at hand. Which is a great way to start any sentence, by the way. Peter's talking to some really, really, some people are really struggling for their faith. He said, The end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly since love covers a multitude of sins. Verse 9, show hospitality to one another without grumbling. Show hospitality to one another, this is one another, without grumbling. And what Peter's hitting on here is he's, he's realizing that one of the natural things that comes with hospitality is uncheerfulness. And he's saying, no, like, one of the things it means to be the body of Christ, to belong to one another, is that we show hospitality to one another without grumbling. Not just something to do, but becoming a certain kind of person. And I, I think one of the ways to think about this best is that, is that hospitality is the context for community. Hospitality is the, it's the, it's the environment. It becomes the avenue by which all the other one another's get to play themselves out. You want to practice the power of curiosity? Have people over and practice the power of curiosity on them. You want, you want to have comfort to someone who's going through a really hard time? Have them to your house and ask them questions and invite them to be able to be comforted in your presence. Ask them, hey, do you want to talk about this or would you rather not talk about this? Do you like just a, would a, fu just a fun night talking about other things or, or would you like to actually share some of the things that are difficult that you're currently needing comfort for? It's the context by which we receive we declare the reality. It's the one another context is what hospitality can be for us, which is why if you're in a community group, like, make sure you're in your homes. That's where reality plays itself out. It's the real things happen there. Real life is played out there. And I just want to say something real quick, and this is, this is by way of celebration. Um, I think back in 20, it was about 2016, I think, I, I preached a sermon, and we, were talking we weren't talking about hospitality, but... Um, we talked about the reality that we were not a very welcoming church. If you were there, it's probably about, you know, three, four years ago. You guys remember that? It's one of those real upper moments, you know, like, hey, guys. But it was just true. We, we, we tended to, to do this with each other, kind of go into our pods. And I, I just need to say something. We, you know, we have newcomers events. And um, I would say consistently over the last couple years, the thing that emerges most consistently, and it was true last Sunday for some of you that were in that room, it says the biggest impact that they, they receive, people received by coming here was that they felt so welcomed. 
They felt seen. They, people remembered them. They remembered, remembered, sometimes remembered their name, which is a feat, right? I mean, I can remember my own name half the time. So, but they felt, and I, so I just want to say, like, God's growing us as a people, right? And if you were in that newcomer's event, you know what? I looked at you and said, hey, cool. Guess what? You're in now, so that's you too. But the first step, the, the doorway of hospitality is welcome, it's greeting. And I just want to say, like, we're doing well here. Let us continue to do well here because it matters. We talked about curiosity being people feeling known and seen. Welcoming, hospitality, whew, that's the next frontier. And so let us be people who don't just welcome, but now let us excel all the more, as Thessalonians says, right? Let's excel all the more and let us be people who with courageous hospitality, courageous hospitality towards one another. And, and I want to say this in particular, reading that seven myths of um, singleness in particular, like I, I guess it's really hard to be single. And if you haven't been single or if, if it's been a long time, you forget. And um, there's maybe no people within the church who need the gift of hospitality, who need the invitation of hospitality to be called into than men and women who are single for whatever reason. As a church, I want to say one of the invitations that I would like to challenge us with is that we get comfortable with odd numbers around our tables. Because that's not something wrong, that's something good. That we would be those kinds of people. And so when you have a banquet, think about who might need to be invited also, okay? Third, Square, we'll use that shape. Hebrews 13, 1 and 2 says, let brotherly love continue. It's like he's just transitioning my point, right? Let brotherly love continue. Let's do this with one another. Let's show hospitality to one another. And then he says, do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers. For <laughs> Again, one of those amazing verses. For thereby some have entertained angels unawares which just feels like you should have a New York accent when you say that. You know, entertain angels unawares, you know, doesn't it? <laughs> it seems like that's how you should read that. But, <laughs> but that's, the mo that's actually the motivation that he gives you. I mean, the author of Hebrews is giving that as a motivation. He's not just saying this is a good thing, which it is, and we'll talk about why it's such a powerful thing. He's saying you don't even realize. You might be blessed in ways you have no idea, entertaining angels when you're not even aware. This isn't a new idea, hospitality to strangers. It's not a New Testament idea. God built it into the fabric of, of the Old Testament law. But there is a place that you reserve a place and you make room for people who don't belong yet. Don't belong yet for the sojourner, for the foreigner. God says you make room for those people. They don't belong yet. They're, they're on the outside, and whatever outside might mean, they're on the outside, and so make room for them. And the Gospels and the New Testament just picks up on that. Um, Matt Chandler, uh, who's a pastor, and uh, he's the president of X29 Church Planning Network, really love that guy. Uh, he he um, wrote a book about courage, and uh, in it he talks a little bit about hospitality, and this is what he says. He says, in some ways... It's the big flashy acts, you know, the kind of stuff we photograph, slap a filter on, and show our friends online that, that, uh, that go most notice and yet require the least of us. We know that, right? 
gets the most notice, but doesn't require anything of us. I'm convinced, he said, that Christian courage probably looks more like inviting a group of strangers into your home for dinner. These sorts of things actually require courage. And listen to why. Because they force us to rely on the Lord and his strength, not our own. When we open up our homes and build friendships with those who don't look like us, believe like us, or act like us, we open up our lives and make ourselves vulnerable. This whole series we're talking about, there is no way to become good at people without being humble and vulnerable. There's no way. And so if you're going to invite people into your house that aren't like you, don't think like you, you're going to end up vulnerable, opened up and vulnerable. He says, we risk getting hurt and making enemies with those who don't think the way we think or act the way we act, yet we can do it because of the hope, the strength, and the courage that we get from our Lord. Man. It doesn't always go well, right? Have, have, you, have, have you tried this? Becky and I did a uh, few years, about three and a half years ago or so, we, we wanted to, our, our neighborhood is lots of separated houses. Everyone just pulls in and we never can see your neighbors. You walk the neighborhood, you see nobody. It's just a one street cul-de-sac. And, and so we're like, okay, we're, we're changing this. We can do it. Um, I don't actually, I mean, I remember we did pray. We walked up and down. But so, so Becky designed like this awesome invitation. You know, she's a graphic designer. So like they had to come. Um, Awesome invitation. We were going to do like an end, our cul-de-sac party. People were going to bring food and we're going to have things for the kids to play with and send out the invitations, put them in envelopes and put them specifically in each mailbox. I mean, delivery, you know, like the Lord m must do great things here. And uh, yeah, so the Baptist couple, two, um, two doors up came. Um, and then another family that we've known for like 25 years who lives on the end of our street, they came. And then Dan, our neighbor, showed up for like eight minutes and left. That was a little disappointing. And uh, some of it is because uh, we were creating an event, right? And, and, and we were trying to, we were going we to do something, and it, and, it, and it was so discouraging. And so for a year, we were kind of like, I, I don't know, maybe this is hopeless, a hopeless street, you know? <laughs> we live on Hopeless Drive. Um, but then um, we started doing these Halloween night fire pits, and it was low-key, and we invited a couple of our, of our friends that we know, and we invited our neighbors to come. And over the last three years, more people keep coming. And um, do you know what I think is the, the one ingredient that's different? I mean, I don't, know, I don't know the mind of God, right? I don't know people's motivations. But, like, we're not demanding it. We just want to be with the people. It's, it's actually fantastic for us to see our friends and family members interacting with our neighbors next door. And, and sometimes it's awkward and weird. It is. But it's good. And I think our entire disposition has shifted. And I think that's what God's inviting us into is to be able to be with the other and with, with the not exactly like us in a way that, that declares the kingdom of God. I've read a, a variety of different writers on this subject, and one of the things I'm, I'm wondering in light of what I've read is whether in today's culture, hospitality may be the most powerful doorway to evangelism. Y you know if you want to get a bullhorn and go on a corner, like you know how much impact you'll have, right? Th that's a cliche. 
but to break in by inviting people into your living room and to your dining room table to have pizza because you don't like to cook, because it's just you based on who you really are, that's the kind of thing that through curiosity opens up the opportunity to know where they are and what they are about and what they value and gives an opportunity for you to talk about the Jesus that you know and live by. And it takes time. Uh, Rosaria Butterfield, she wrote a, she, uh, if you know her, she's amazing. Um, she, um, she was converted about 20 years ago. She was a, uh, a, a professor at Syracuse, a lesbian professor at Syracuse, whose goal was to try and show how Christianity was basically a bunch of garbage. Um, and she's not the first one to try this and have God do really cool things with them. But she ends up coming to Jesus. And do you know how it happened? It wasn't any of the speakers that came to Syracuse. It certainly wasn't Bullhorn guy on the Syracuse campus. It was ordinary, radical hospitality. She spent like a year and a half with this couple. They weren't pastors or anything like that. They were just people who talked about Jesus and invited her to, to fire all of her questions, all of her rebukes, all of her challenges, all the things, some of which are entirely legitimate. And they loved her. And they received her over and over again, and it melted her. It didn't crack her open. It melted her. Ordinary, radical hospitality changed her. And now, Rosario Bitterfield is like, she's like a hospitality machine, like, you know, spirit-powered machine. Um, she wrote a book called uh, The Gospel. Shoot, I, can't, I read the book. <laughs> I don't remember the name. Uh, the Gospel Comes with a House Key, I think is what it says. It's called. Um, yeah, The Gospel Comes with a House Key. And um, in it, it's an amazing book. It's really challenging. Like, if we could do 10% of the things that she ends up living out, like, wow. <laughs> so I, I recommend it. You can listen to her. I'll actually be posting a YouTube video of her um, at the uh, Gospel Coalition um, conference. She's, she's really awesome. But one of the things she says, she talks about how getting close enough for long enough gives us an opportunity to take someone's hand and put it into the hand of the Savior. And I, I just want to say, like, that we don't get proximity like that by just being cube mates at work. It, it, it's, it might happen, but probably not. It might take at least going to a lunch together, right? Or, or maybe having him and her or him and her over and, and, and being together over time in a way that declares the gospel that we believe, that people may be melted in our presence. So who's the stranger in your life? Where are they? Who are they? Confession? I, can't fig I couldn't figure this out. Like stranger, I mean, you know, I, I talk to the cashiers at Publix, and I, like, who's the, the stranger stranger? And I, I, it's, like, I'm actively working to figure that out with the Lord. And I invite you to come along. One of the, the, um, the challenges I'd like us to have, one of the things that I think, it, how do we put into practice? How do we practice hospitality, right? How do we practice hospitality? There's a threefold piece I'd invite you to. It's kind of three for the next three months, and that is to sit down this week sometime by yourself, with a friend, spouse, and, and, and choose by listening to the Lord. Listen to the Lord. Ask him, Lord, who would you have me in each of those three categories? What's, what's someone that can do nothing from our, that I can gain nothing from that we could have over to our home or invite out or be with? 
What, what's, what's, a, what's a brother or sister or couple from our community that we, that we haven't known yet? Or maybe they, I heard something that they were really struggling. And, and so I want to invite them in and let's have them over sometime in the next three months. And then, and then a stranger, wh- whoever the stranger is to you. Like what, what would it look like if we just trusted God that he actually has those people for us because he tells us they're there and that he invites us to be a part of that and that we would, we would trust him, ask him, and then do what he says and be those kinds of people who live courageous, courageous um, hospitality. That's my encouragement and my challenge. Um, and, and Super Bowl, maybe somebody you'll think about right now and be like, I don't know, come over for Super Bowl. Ah, you know, try today. I don't know. Invite them into your life and into your place, into your space. How do we become these kinds of people? Loved ones, it's pretty straightforward. We have to see that God has extended us hospitality. Like we, we must see God as the one who has extended us radical, divine hospitality. That we love the outsider because we were outsiders. That we invite people in because we were invited in. That we bring people in because we were utterly undeserving and we were brought in. We make room around our table because God made room around our t- his table for us. That's how we become those kinds of people. It's not willpower. And God brought us in, not at the, not at the cost of inconvenience or of the potential of getting rejected, all those being real things. But he brought us in at the cost of actual rejection. Jesus brought us in by being utterly cast out. That's, that's the great exchange that took place, the divine hospitality of God. So we're invited in. We're invited into the table of God because uh, the, door of, the door of God's love and of his grace and of his rest was slammed in the face of Jesus. And now we get to come in through that door. Like that's what the cross is, Right? He was cast out so that we could be brought in. And you've been brought in if you belong to Jesus. And, and to the degree in which that gets inside, not like, hey, take on the three-month challenge thing from Matt. Like, I'm not, candidly, I'm not interested in that. I'm interested in you listening to God, but I'm interested in our hearts being formed and forged by saying, Lord, would you give me a heart of hospitality? Would you make me the kind of person who has a spirit that says, I want to bring someone in because I have been brought in. You've been brought in. Like, you're not on the outside anymore if you put your faith in Christ. Like, do you know how amazing that is? Like, you have a seat at the table. He knows your name. Like, that's reality for you right now. And his invitation is saying, isn't it amazing? Invite other people in. That's how we become the kind of people who have a hospitable heart. And this is the meal that reminds us of what it looked like for him to be rejected and thrown out cast out so that we could be brought in. You've been brought in. And he reminds us here, this is what it costs. Here's the thing. Jesus isn't just the host of this meal, which he is. He's also the meal itself. Like he invites you to take in and to take on the reality of what he did for you so that you could be someone who's free to do it with other people. That's how we become different people. That's how we get a hospitable heart. Let's pray. Father, We've been received in by divine hospitality. That is, it's unbelievable that you would choose us, that you would reach out to us, not because of anything we deserved, 
because of your mercy, because of your great love for us. And so, Lord, we, we, uh, we know that we, even this we see in part, we know that our, our hearts are convoluted, and, and yet we long to be changed, and we long to be alive, and we long to be made new. And so, Lord, would you make this real in us, Spirit of God? Would you bring about this kind of spirit change in us through the power of your Holy Spirit? We, we must have you do it in us. And so we come now and we receive these elements, this, this bread and this cup, both as a reminder and also as hope for the fact that you've gone, you've prepared a place for us, and that cannot be taken away, and, and that you're coming again and you're going to take us to the place you have prepared that's your promise to us. And so resting in that promise, trusting in the work you've already done, we now receive these things and invite you to change us. Pray this in Christ. Amen. Well, if you belong to Jesus and you long for the spirit of hospitality, which is the spirit of Christ to be manifest in you, then come forward. Receive the body and the blood of Christ and let's begin a journey of hospitality together. Come forward.